Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. We are in the book of Judges today, Judges chapter 6 and verses 12 through 16. What chapter are we in? Chapter 6, that's right. And the book is? Judges, that's right. Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. If you find yourself with a critical attitude and a judgmental attitude, Judges is not your book. This book does not give you permission to be judgmental, uh, but it helps you see who led Israel before the times of the kings. We're in Judges chapter 6. Uh, verses, sorry, yes, yeah, Judges chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. When you've found it in your uh, Bibles, your tablets, your phones, say amen. amen. If you're still looking for it, say, help me, Jesus. That's right. You can call his name. We are in his house. Judges, the sixth chapter. And verses 12 through 16 are where we are reading from today. Uh, and because the Word of God is the authority in our lives, why don't we stand in reverence to it as we read it together. In fact, I will read it in your hearing. You will follow along in your translations that you have. Again, the book Judges, chapter 6, Judges chapter 6. Verses 12 through 16, an anomaly happens for Gideon. And here's how it starts out. The angel of the Lord, verse 12, appeared to Relove. And he said, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Verse 13 reads, pardon me, sir. I'm reading from the New International Version. Uh, Gideon replied, you say the Lord is with us? Then why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonderful things that, has, that he has done? Our people of long ago told us about those things. They said, didn't the Lord bring us up out of Egypt but now the Lord has deserted us he has handed us over to Midian verse 14 the Lord turned to Gideon and he said some strong words he said you are strong go in the strength you have some of your translations say and save Israel from the power of the Midian I am sending you Verse 15, again, pardon me, sir, but I cannot possibly do this. For my family group, my family is the weakest of all the tribes of Manasseh, and I am the least important member of my family. And verse 16 replies, the Lord says, I will be with you. Hallelujah. So you will strike down the Midianites and you will leave no one alive. Pray with me and for me as we talk for just a few moments under the title, 
What's up, champ? What's up, champ? Father God, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. For today, oh God, if you would remove yourself from me, this shirt would fall to the stage as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, and we, Father, would be remiss of your presence. But yet, oh Lord, you allowed this moment to take place. And now, oh Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servant to speak your word boldly. Stretch out your hand to perform great signs and wonders through your holy name, through Jesus' name. Let the whole church say, Amen and amen. You may take your seats. Gideon was immediately uncomfortable. He was called something by the angel of the Lord uh, that he had never been referred to before. The King James Version says that when the angel saw him in the wine press secretly uh, uh, thrashing wheat, uh, he said to him, hey, mighty man of valor. As the story continues to go on, I would like to let the church know that I believe Gideon was immediately astonished by what the angel said about the Lord being with them because for seven years, the children of Israel had been under the oppressive arm of the Midianites and only now did God want to show up. I will tell you, he was immediately bewildered uh, uh, because when he told him that you are a mighty man of valor and you would go and save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, uh, he took a step back and he said to him, he said, listen, uh, my tribe is the weakest in Israel and I am the lowest or least member of my family of Manasseh. He was not a Levite who, as we know, would be entrusted with the duties of the sanctuary uh, and spiritual things. He was not of the tribe of Reuben, uh, from the oldest and most prestigious of the tribes. He was not of Judah, herald to uh, uh, produce the savior of the world. His tribe was not even a part, David, of the top five, neither... Pierre, was he a part of the top 10 for he rounded out the 11th tribe and uh, he wasn't even the 12th. You see, he was in the family but forgotten. He was a part of the number but not remembered. While his tribe's name meant uh, to forget my troubles, the name of Manasseh means to forget my troubles, it seemed as if Gideon himself and his whole family was forgotten. He says, I am the least and I am the lowest member of my family. No one thinks about me. So, Lord, you're calling me? A man of valor. Something happened between his birth to now that set his self-value at a low position. Uh, Rico, I would, I would venture to say that of the 24 hugs that he should have gotten in a day, he probably only got three. If you're following us on social media, you know exactly what I am talking about. 
Maybe there was some issues between his parents uh, that caused him to have some secondhand trauma. Uh, maybe Gideon saw some things that messed him up. Uh, 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 Josiah, maybe he didn't fit in. And uh, uh, Mikhail, maybe he wasn't so lucky as you to go to his prom and so he didn't make it. Taylor, maybe he didn't get to have the latest things that everybody else had. Maybe he was in a school where he did not like everybody. Gideon had some trauma in his early years of life that when God called him a mighty person, a mighty warrior, a mighty king, somebody made him feel bad so he could not believe what God was telling him. I don't know about you, but there are times when you and I hear God calling us great and we can't believe it our own selves. I need you to understand that the trauma that has happened to you and I in our lives has somehow changed your personality and adjusted who you are. It is, it is, it is said, and scientists can prove it, that the trauma that your ancestors feel shows up in your present day-to-day life even though you don't have the same traumas. Slaves can tell you that there is a crazy amount of stress that shows upon them in various situations uh, or, or people from slaves can show you that there's a, an enormous amount of stress that shows up on them when they encounter conflicting and stressful situations that causes them to react in a way as if they too had had some stripes on their backs. God tells him, you are a mighty man of valor. You are a warrior. You are great. You are going to be awesome. And I believe that it went right over him like water on a duck's back. Something changed, something adjusted. I have to tell you right now, I don't know about your past, but there are some things in your past that probably has you and I not being willing to accept the fact that God said that we were the head and not the tail. There are probably some things in our lives, maybe this is your second, third, fourth, or fifth marriage, and you probably aren't going in with the greatest amount of confidence, and I need you to understand our past is an opportunity for God to work. Mm, what do you mean, preacher? Our first point I want to bring to you today is God sees us for who he wants us to be, and not who we believe ourselves to be. I'm going to repeat that again. God sees us for who he wants us to be and not who we believe ourselves to be. So repeat after me. I am what God says I am. Let's turn it around just a little bit and put a little more emphasis on it. Repeat after me again. I am who God says I am. You see, throughout Scripture, God consistently and constantly calls upon the lowest of individuals to sit in the highest of positions all the time. 
He is a God that somehow enjoys elevating the humble and placing them in positions beyond their expectations. You remember Joseph, the youngest of his brothers, but made the ruler of all of his brothers. Uh, you remember David. Uh, he was the, not the first choice uh, uh, of the prophet when he came to Jesse's son, but yet he was a man after God's own heart and Sister Pat, arguably probably one of the greatest kings of Israel. You remember Hannah and Rachel, the least of the fruitful wives, uh, but yet they were the most loved. You also remember the stutterer Moses, but then asked to be the mouthpiece of God. And now we have Gideon, who out of his own mouth confesses that he is the weakest and his tribe is the lowest and everybody is more important than him. It's got to be something big that's gone on in our lives. When the confession of ourselves is of least importance. Got to ask this question of the Lord. Lord, why do you invest in things that should give you bad returns? God, why do you invest in the underdog? Lachey was just up here boasting about her Celtics. And, and the Lord answered her prayer. I don't know if you heard her very well, but I heard her very well. She said, Lord, I don't want my team to get swept. He said, okay, I'll take you to game seven. And it'll be done after that. But Miami is the seventh seed in the playoffs, and now they're in the championships. I don't know, but God finds a way to invest in those who man say is not supposed to make it. The Bible says that he likes to sit with the brokenhearted, and he loves to hang out with sinners. He enjoys the lost and the wayward individuals. You may have heard me say this once before, but I'll say it again. I believe that when the Roman soldiers came uh, uh, to a party in, in, in Nazareth or, 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 or Jericho or anywhere, if Jesus was there, they arrested him too because he enjoyed hanging out with noisy people. Only when they rang his fingerprint, they said, nope, it's not him. And they let him go. But why does God seem to invest in individuals that would give him a poor return on, their, on his investment? Why does God seem to hang out with the brokenhearted and the lost and the crushed in spirit and those who are just straight out flat sinners? And the truth is, is because we are the ones that need him most because saints can't see a need for God. He is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And he, the revelation says that he wipes away all of our tears. Church, I believe it's safe to say this about God. That he loves investing in orphans, in widows, in divorcees in prostitutes. 
in people addicted to pornography and drugs. He has room and space for those of us who have been abused. He has time and patience for the abusers as well. Gideon looks at this particular situation and says, God, I'm the least. Commentators say that uh, in this moment it can be seen that he was trying to be humble uh, and trying to say, Lord, it can't be me who is going to save Israel. Not so much that he was trying to get rid of the idea, but speaking of the facts, God, look at who I really am. It cannot possibly be me. I will tell you this thing about God. He enjoys the humble in spirit. He enjoys those who walk in humility. He enjoys those who don't have the highest uh, 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 look on themselves, but understand that God is more important than them. Church, I believe it's safe to say that if you want an audience with God on today, be real about who you are and then watch God show up for what you've got to deal with. You see, oftentimes we'll pray and ask God, God, can you help us with this? God, can you do this for me? And oftentimes we'll not let God know, God, I'm sorry I messed up. I need you to make a way. We'll make a request first before we ask for sorry. Our idea is that God is a genie in a bottle and so we'll rub him when we need something and leave him on the shelf when we don't want something. But if you want an audience with God and want him to actually show up, you and I need to make sure that we are as real with God as we can possibly be because he's not looking for the prideful, he's looking for the humble. He's not looking for those who have it all together, he's looking for those who know they don't have it all together. Sisters, let me tell you, if you want God uh, to show up and show out for you, uh, be real about who you are and watch God show up and show off for you. Brothers, if you need God to move on your behalf, uh, get real with God about who you really are and watch God show up, show out, and then show off. But if you're going to walk around like your ish don't stink, as if you are bigger and better than everyone else, God's going to say, you have no need for me. You are a God in and of yourself. I don't like pride. Keep it moving. My second point I would want to tell you today is come and go in humility. But you see, as a people, it's tough for us to draw a line between humility and self-depreciation. You see, many of us choose self-depreciation as as a way to make sure that we are seen humble. But can I tell you the difference between uh, self-appreciation and and humility? Self-depreciation, sorry, is a negative view and a depreciating value of yourself. While humility, humility is a modest, low view of one's presentation with an understanding get this, that my intrinsic value is still there. Self-depreciation says that I have to do things in order to get appreciation. Uh, Humility says, thank you for what I've done. Uh, I appreciate it. will continue to move. My value of who I am is not based on what I do. 
mm, you got to get this. You and I are born with an intrinsic value that we are capable, we are strong, we are wise, and just like the help said, you is smart, you is kind, you is, you follow me. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Proverbs says this of uh, humility. Proverbs says that before honor comes humility. Especially if God is going to be the one who is going to honor you and I, before honor comes humility. Another individual says true humility is usually the companion of true greatness. You may be wondering today why you are not reaching your greatness. It might be because you and I don't have the highest appreciation for ourselves and have self-depreciation where we thought we had humility. You may be wondering to yourself today why you can't be great and someone else can be greater. It's because probably you and I are paying too much attention to self-depreciation and putting ourselves down and believing all the negative that is said about us instead of understanding that we were born and shaped by the love of God. It was God who not just spoke uh, after speaking us, in, speaking the world into existence. He knelt down and made us. He put his hands in the ground to put you and I together. You and I are made in the image of God. We're not made in the image of angels. We're not made in the image of lions, though they seem powerful and they might be awesome symbols to help represent the strength that we have. But we are made in the image of the most mightiest God of all gods. He is the Lord of lords. And he said, listen, when I make Joyce, I'm going to make her great. When I make Sandra, I'm going to make her great like me. When I make Melee, I'm going to make her awesome like me. When I make Mark, I'm going to make him dope like me me. Uh, when I make Matthew, I'm going to make him awesome like me. Uh, when I make Keith, I'm going to make him great like me. When God decided to make you and I, he didn't think it would be good enough to just say, let there be Iris. He said, no, I'm going to craft her mind and I'm going to make her thoughtful. He didn't think that, you know, uh, it, it, let me let, let there be Pat. No, he said, listen, I'm going to make sure that she gets to church on time every Sabbath. Mm -hmm. You all know the first person we walk in this church and see, hey, what's up, Pat? You know that if you come in this church and you don't immediately greet Pat, you're going to be in trouble next week. Because that's who God made her to be. There's some awesome talents that you and I have been created and God took his time when he put your mind together, when he put your habits together, when he put your skills together. He took his time putting you together and so he knew that when he approached Gideon, he said, Gideon, I'm releasing inside of you. I am opening up inside of you something that I put in you that you don't know that you have yet. But because I put it in you, I can call it out of you. You may be sitting today not understanding your purpose, but God is calling 
calling you today to be a mighty warrior and a mighty individual and he's pulling out of you what he put in you even though you don't know it. I need you to understand you are a champion, better yet an overcomer, that the obstacles that you're facing today will be stepping stones of tomorrow, that the hindrances of today will be stuff on the ladder to pull you up tomorrow. You're great and awesome and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, third and final point that I want to bring to you today before we close is in the midst of the excuses or the reasons why uh, Gideon talks about how he is unable to be the savior of Israel, God repeats a message to him twice. Comes to him and he says, mighty man of valor, you're going to uh, take out the Midianites and go because I'm sending you. Which meant go, I'll be with you. Then after he gives up the excuses that I am the least in the family, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, l- let, me, let me go back just a minute. I want to mention this thing. This is a commercial right now. There's individuals who here agree with uh, the verse. I'm going to jump back up to it so you can, you, you can resonate with me. When God first calls him the mighty warrior, he comes out with this phrase that a lot of people come out with in the world. He says, if this is the Lord, why did he allow all these bad things to happen to us? Then why will he allow the Midianites to take us down? And if you remember what Pastor Rico was saying in his earlier part of his message on last week, uh, and he talked about how the Midianites would go in and steal the, 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 uh, the, the farming stuff, the wheat and all that stuff that the Israelites would make. Gideon asked this question of God, and I need you to fully understand there's one thing great that happened here, and that is that he asked this question of God. You missed, your, you missed your moment. You see, oftentimes when people feel like this, they won't talk to God. Oftentimes when people, when people feel like, uh, why do uh, bad things happen to good people, they won't talk to the God they're talking about. But they'll talk about him. They'll not come to church. They won't come to life group. They'll miss out on moments to fellowship together. They won't grow through someone else's testimony because their idea of God is skewed and they believe that if he's a good God, he must always allow good things to happen. But you're missing an awesome point about who God is. And he is not a robot keeper. He doesn't have droves of robots stuck in trailers waiting to be released at a certain date and expiring some when they go out of date. No, 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 no. He's a God that loves you and I in a very special way and he uniquely answers your prayers different than he does mine. Hallelujah. Because you don't want my troubles and trust me, I don't want yours. 
When I pray and ask God to keep my lights on, I might have gas and you might not have gas. Hello, you don't want all of my prayers and I don't want all of your prayers. Uh, but what we do know is that God in heaven has space for all of our prayers. And even though there may be traffic going up to heaven on the prayer line, when he delivers a blessing, he delivers a blessing specifically to you. It ain't coming with Christina's name on it. It's coming with, with, with Mel's name on it. It's not coming with Joyce's name on it. It's coming with Valerie's name on it. It's not coming with Rico's name. Uh, it, it, it's Listen, listen, listen. Some of y'all may be praying and asking God for some red meat. I don't really eat red meat. I'm good. I need some chicken. Some, some of y'all might be praying for... Like, picture God... Listen, listen, God is specific in how he answers your prayers because he's listening to you. Hallelujah. And he doesn't want robots. And so that means, that means that when you decide to do something evil, somebody else is going to feel the ripples of your evil desire. And that person will be asking, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people all because of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Every now and then I, I feel that when I'm driving fast down the freeway and I get a little bit of road rage. And I have to cut somebody off. like, And now all the brakes go in the line, bang, and bang, bang. The ripple effects of my bad decision. Just make, trying to make it practical. God is not a God who's trying to set the world up and then back off of it and leave it. He's a God who is intricately uh, interested in the things that you are going through. And he wants to make sure that you understand this. He only wants to take people to heaven who want to be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you don't want to be there, why would he bring you? Why would he allow people who check off the box, came to Sabbath school, work on time. You remember when we had Sabbath school way, way back in the day. Uh, Eleanor, you remember this. We used to have, uh, Stan, you two, we used to have like this checklist of Sabbath school when you started and how many clothes did you give away for Sabbath school? You, you, you remember, Carol, and uh, how many Bible studies did you do for the week? There was a whole sheet that would come with, with when you, and then you would give in the mission envelope and then you would give in the local church budget envelope. Y'all rem remember that back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that, that was awesome and it was pushing for us to be our brother's keeper, but it was salvation by works. And why would God allow people with broken hearts to fix their way into heaven? Because man, you can fool, or you can fool me all day. You can come in church dressed all nice, smelling great in your Sabbath best. You got on your awesome perfume cologne and you, you, you know, whatever you choose to come to church in. Uh, but God knows how your heart came to church. Mm -hmm. God knows how your heart came to church and how you sit and where you sit so that you can see that person you want to talk about all worship service. Mm-hmm. 
God knows how you came to church so that you can look to see if Relove is still doing good because you didn't agree with the decision for them to come over here, but you just want to make sure. Somebody on the ropes today. But in the midst of this, God doesn't even respond to him. I love it. He doesn't even look at this guy and say, hey, man, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm paying close attention to everything that you're saying. He says, if God is with us, then where is the God that our ancestors told us about? He doesn't really even answer all of those questions. He sums it all up in verse 16 by saying, I am going to be with you. You can go and you will slay everybody. There'll be no one alive. I am going to be with you as I wrap this up. Imagine if you please, I had a dollar bill in one hand and a hundred dollars bill in this other hand. Both of these bills have the same weight when you put them on the scale. Both of these bills are the same size, Brian. Both are the same shape, and both of these bills, the $1 bill and the $100 bill, have the same colors. But the difference in these bills is whose face is on the bill. Uh, even if you were to put Lincoln's face on the $100 bill, it would cease to have the value of $100. Uh, but if you were to put Benjamin's face on the face of a dollar bill, uh, its value would increase, its worth would then rise, and its buying potential would increase. The possibilities would increase by a hundred. It's not about all of what you are, but it's about whose face goes with you, church. You see, by ourselves, we are nothing. The Bible says, even as a man thinks, uh, that's what he is. Uh, and so for you and I, it says that with man, things are impossible, yea, unfeasible, probably 